0: Hey, everybody. I am Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message for April 21st, 2021. And obviously, there's a lot going on in the world. And I think this is going to be our most densely packed episode ever. Yesterday, I thought we were going to do our longest show ever, but I was able to keep it somewhat tight, but I am going to do my best today to give you guys actual stats, to show you some things about media manipulation, show you some things about politicians fanning the flame, and also show you how when you defund the police, which is seemingly what this is all about, that actually crime goes up. We are going to source things. You will see where they're sourced from on the screen. I will read the sources and my hope is that we will clip some of this stuff and you'll be able to share it with friends and family because uh, even though, uh, you know, let's say the left, broadly speaking, got the result that they wanted yesterday, uh, it doesn't seem like we're doing anything close to unity and healing, right? I mean, if anything, it seems like now they're more emboldened to continue to burn down the system and actually we're gonna play a couple of quotes from Democrat politicians saying, in effect, just that. So this is gonna be a bit of a sobering episode, I suppose, uh, but I'm going to do my best not to add flames, not to add fuel to the fire and inflame the situation any further. And hopefully by the end of the half hour or so, you will feel like you're armed with a little bit more knowledge in how to have these conversations because everything that I'm seeing online right now, pretty much is just an absolute assault on truth and an assault on stats and information, which by the way is in many ways why there's a push for them to get rid of math in school. And right, we, should, we shouldn't we should have traditional math of two plus two equals four. We should have this new math and we should look at things a little bit differently and all that because they don't want you to look at statistics because statistics don't fit the narrative. So we're, we're gonna hit all that. So the three things that really we're gonna cover today are gonna be reactions to the trial, mostly from Democrat politicians who again, in essence, got the result that they wanted, right? Biden got what he prayed for. That's what we showed you yesterday, but uh, apparently it's still not enough for him and certainly not enough for AOC and Nancy Pelosi and a bunch of the others. Uh, Then we're gonna show you a whole slew of police stats related to race from real sources. And again, hopefully you can take them and do something with them in the conversations that you're having in your life. And then the third story will be about defunding the police and what that has done in the cities that we have done it, and hint, spoiler alert, it ain't good. Okay, before we get to any of that, guys, I wanna talk to you about Ancestry.com. Did your great-grandmother work hard to raise her children and keep her family together? I know mine did. Did your family survive natural disasters to rebuild and start anew? Was there a healthcare worker in your family's past who cared for another generation facing a pandemic, or ancestors? Our ancestors were ordinary people who lived through extraordinary situations, something we can all understand today. Challenging times are nothing new, neither are resilient people. Learning about the struggles and adversity your family went through can bring you closer to your own family today as you share stories and form new bonds. Ancestry helps you search billions of records to learn more about the ancestors who came through remarkable challenges So you could be here today. Yeah, that US of America, it's pretty good. Uh, You can find details about their lives, see what they did to earn a living in their census record, or see their actual signature on a military record as they signed up to fight for our country. Learning their stories helps you find a connection to what they went through and how they stood strong through hardships and struggles. When you get closer to your ancestors by hearing their stories, you'll have a new way to get closer to your family, their strength in every family story. Learn more about yours at Ancestry.com. Head to my URL, Ancestry.com slash to start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash and now back to me. Okay, so we're gonna show you a whole bunch of reaction videos right now. These are mostly Democrats or, or left-leaning public figures who, again, they got the result they wanted, right? And we can all discuss, as I said yesterday, we can all discuss whether we have a problem now with the jury system, we can discuss whether we have a problem with policing, we can discuss whether politicians, before trials come to an end, saying things actually affect the juries. I mean, imagine if you were one of the 12 jurors on this thing and you felt that you might be doxed, that you might be found out. I, I was even thinking about it this way, like ethically, just sort of ethically, morally, and philosophically. Let's say you were one of those 12 people, and you, let's say, said, you know, actually the amount of fentanyl in his system, this, that, the other thing, the knee, whatever, whatever the specifics might be. I'm just doing a little thought experiment here. Let's say you were like, you know what, I actually don't think he's guilty on all charges. Maybe he's guilty of two of three, or one of three, whatever it is. But you felt there was a pretty decent chance you were gonna be doxed at the end of this and you've got the president of the United States saying, I pray for the result that we want, you know, a, a conviction obviously, and you've got Maxine Waters out there with her burn it down sen- sentiment and all that. I just think ethically, morally, philosophically, whatever it is, um, people might be encouraged to uh, defend their own lives and the lives of their families. So we, we have so many problems because we've sort of condoned the idea that if you don't get the result you want, you can still be violent, and actually, as of last night, even if you do get the result you want in a trial, you can still be violent, and that we can threaten people and potentially dox them and everything else. So let's just roll through a bunch of videos here. Uh, This is Joe Biden, the president, explaining how the protests unified us with peace and purpose.
1: The murder of George Floyd launched a summer of protest we hadn't seen since the civil rights era in the 60s protests that unified people of every race and generation in peace and with purpose to say enough, enough, enough of the senseless killings. Today, today's verdict is a step forward. No one should be above the law. And today's verdict sends that message. But it's not enough. We can't stop here. In order to deliver real change and reform, we can and we must do more to reduce the likelihood that tragedies like this will ever happen and occur again.
0: Okay, so there's a couple things there. So first off, he says that the protests over the summer and basically what he means for the last year, that they unified us. I mean, do we feel more unified? Does anyone feel more unified today than we felt yesterday? And yesterday, did we feel more unified than we did six months ago? I don't think so. I actually think in many cases, this is tearing us apart because these protests are laden with violence and burning things down. Now, the people that believe a lot of what Joe Biden says don't see a lot of that stuff because they don't show you a lot of that stuff. Uh, he also says enough of the senseless killing. So we're gonna get to the stats on police shootings in just a second, but I do think it's important that I show you this one right now. This is from the Washington Post, okay? Now, the Washington Post, I believe, is considered a reputable source on these things. The Washington Post database of fatal police shootings in 2019 cites nine unarmed black victims and 19 unarmed white victims of fatal police shootings, okay? So there were 10 more fatal police shootings related to unarmed people that were of white people than black people. Only nine unarmed black people were killed by police in 2019. Now, that we could argue that's nine too many. But when they say things like this, enough of the senseless killings, notice they never say numbers. They never actually give you stats because they love narrative, not actual information. So we're gonna get onto more of those numbers in just a sec. But I think it was worth mentioning that right there because he's talking about senseless killings and it's like, well, actually there aren't that many of them. I know a lot of people believe that there are, but there just simply aren't. And when he says that we've come together over this thing, I don't think that we've quite come together over it. And actually let's look at AOC right now because she's basically saying it.
1: This doesn't end until We address the massive systemic institutional racism in the United States that leads and accepts black people, our black brothers and sisters, our brown brothers and sisters, our native brothers and sisters as less than human. That's literally what it is, is that we're willing to accept violence against some communities as a necessary cost for safety. And when we talk about these conversations of safety, safety from what? From whom? Because what makes me feel safe is being housed. What makes me feel safe is when I'm not gonna be thrown out of my home. What makes me feel safe is guaranteed healthcare.
0: Man, well, first off, I wanna congratulate AOC because we played a video of her yesterday where she had complete word salad, and nothing she said made anything close to any sort of sensible sentence. So I'll give you credit where it's due, lady. Um, but, meaning that she did string together a couple of words that kinda of made sense there, but it was all drivel, everything that she said there. First off, we do not have systemic and institutional racism. There are no laws in the United States that are racist against any one person. By the way, I do believe that the woke left, that the progressives will instigate laws that will be racist against people. They will start having anti-white laws. This is not a crazy conspiracy theory. There are four quotas already. We know that they don't want a certain amount of Asian people because they're overrepresented at Harvard. Well, these are the places. where do, All these bad ideas that leak out into society, they start at the university level. So if you're going to say, we in the government, we are gonna have diversity and inclusion departments where we are going to hire based on the color of skin, then you are going to discriminate against a certain set of people, which in most cases will be white people, right? It will mostly be white people. It will be Asian people as well, obviously. Um, So there is no systemic and institutional racism. And what she's really saying there is though, even though we got the result we wanted, meaning the system worked, that. They found Derek Chauvin guilty of killing George Floyd, right? Now it'll go to appeal and everything else, but the system itself worked. But that's not enough because what she in essence is saying, we are here to disassemble the state. Don't take my word for it, take their word for it. They believe this place is fundamentally evil. And by the way, they never go anywhere and they still want everyone to come here. So everything she says is complete and utter nonsense. She also says, what makes me feel safe is housing and health care. So she's telling you, it had, this has nothing to do with the g- death of George Floyd. She's talking about this idea of safety, which again, the system just did what exactly what she wanted to do, but now we've gotta move on. Well, the system worked this time, but as we're burning it down, we also have to make sure everyone has housing and healthcare. Now we could have a, in a normal time, we could have a completely sensible debate on what we should do about homelessness, on what we should do about healthcare, but they are here to burn it down. It's obvious. Speaking of burning it down, let's listen to race huckster, Al Sharpton.
1: Say his name. George Say his name. George Say his name. George Before we say anything, we're going to have a prayer because young people, white and black, some castigated, many that are here tonight marched and kept marching and kept going. Many of them looked down on, but they kept marching and wouldn't let this die. And this is an assurance to them that if we don't give up, that we can win some rounds. But the war and the fight is not over. over. Just two days from now, we're gonna have to deal with the funeral of Dante Wright.
0: The war and the fight is not over. Now let's flash back. Let's go back a couple de- decades to Martin Luther King Jr. And, you know, that old school saying that he didn't want his kids to be judged by their color or their skin, but by the content of their character. That was good and that was a march to equality. Let's get rid of whatever vestiges of old Jim Crow laws there were. Like let's do those things so that people have true equality and you guys know my feelings. They are now promising something called equity which has nothing to do with equality and in many ways is the most anti-American thing that there is which is why they would like to disassemble America. Uh, But he's talking about the war there and then he mentions uh, Dante Wright. Now Dante Wright is the other uh, incident that we showed you a couple days ago he was pulled over. It turns out there was a warrant for his arrest. He was being handcuffed. He broke away. The officer thought, apparently, she says, 26-year veteran, that she was using a taser, uh, but instead she shot him. He died. He did resist arrest. Anyway, the point of all the details of that, and I also think it's dangerous when we start unpacking all of every little detail of all of these things, because we get lost in that, which the the greater idea here is, is that Al Sharpin's telling you he's here for the war, and there is no tragedy that this guy cannot... Uh, make worse. Uh, By the way, uh, Candace Owens was on Tucker Carlson last night and she's getting a ton of hate uh, for basically telling the truth. But it turns out that George Floyd had three times the amount of fentanyl that it typically takes to kill a person in his system. I'm just putting that out there for context when they tell you these things. Like It's like somehow me saying that, that makes me bad. Does that make me a racist? Like That's just a fact, but it's not really something that you're hearing normally. Um, But if you don't think that they're using George Floyd in the most twisted, perverse way, listen to Nancy Pelosi.
1: We all saw it on TV. We saw it happen. And thank God, the jury validated what we saw, what we saw. So again, thank you, George Floyd for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. How, how heartbreaking was that? Call out for your mom. I can't breathe, but because of you and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name will always be synonymous with justice.
0: Thank you, George Floyd. Thank you, George Floyd, for dying. I mean, she's disgusting. She is a disgusting human being. I'm sorry. Like, what? Talk about the worst sort of pandering, self-serving politician you could possibly ever imagine. And she also, when she repeatedly says, you know, in essence, thank God we got the result that we wanted. We all saw it on TV. You know, the thing is about a trial is you have the presumption of innocence, we have due process, we have a, a jury of your peers, all of the things that I know, I know that they're against all of these things and I know that they're trying to destroy all these things, so even rationalizing with them about it doesn't really matter. But like just because you see something on TV and it makes you feel a certain way doesn't mean that that's exactly how the judicial system should work. Um, but this is completely consistent with their message. But then, of course, what happened and it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. Was remember they got the jury decision that they wanted, right? They got the conviction that they wanted. Again, it's going to go to uh, it's going to go to all sorts of further courts down the line now, and it'll be appealed and everything else. But they basically got what they wanted. But it was obvious that violence was still coming, and that if you keep feeding this thing, you're actually just strengthening it. So there's there's two odd things here because one is you can just stay quiet and you're feeding it. And then there's a whole other set of people that even if you give it what it wants, what it supposedly wants, that they are gonna feed it as well. So we're just gonna show you a bunch of compilations of Black Lives Matter demonstrations across the country. We've got some, I believe there's some New York City, I think there might be some DC and Seattle and Portland attacking police officers, attacking random people at restaurants, attacking trucks. Like just, it it just, I mean, believe me, we could have shown you this for the next five hours. Here's just a, a random sampling from the country from last night after what these people purported to want to happen, happened.
1: We're not, we're never gonna be satisfied. Black Lives Matter isn't a trend, it's a movement. Black Lives Matter forever, okay? So we're not gonna stop just because we got one conviction. Let me tell you, the only reason this system, this capitalist system remains intact is because the Democrats and Republicans
0: are working together to maintain it. They're gonna let us burn this whole mother the ground before to give us some systemic change.
1: Derek Shaman's police department burned to the ground. <laughs> so we have to remember those people who are still facing charges for arson. We have to remember them who just set us on the map once again because that was epic. <laughs> hey, oh, f- we don't want you here. We don't want you here. We you here. We don't want you here. We don't want your f***ing money. We don't want your f***ing f- f- taqueria. <laughs> Only by a f- f***ing white man. Chairman, fight, fight. Chairman,
0: fight, fight. Oh, s***.
1: It, so- this has been declared an unlawful assembly. Oh, All persons must immediately oh, yeah, leave the area oh, yeah, to the oh, yeah, west. All right. Oh, yeah,
0: oh, yeah. So I assure you, we could have shown you a ton more. If you're interested in seeing more videos throughout the country, uh follow Andy. No on Twitter who's posting a ton of this stuff. The last one there, which is just a brutal assault on a police officer, that was in Portland. And talk about dystopian. I mean, as you hear, you know, the sound in the back and the officer get off the street, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it sounds like a dystopian movie. Also, the one with the truck before that, which I think was New York City. It's like, that was just a random trucker who had driven down a street, who's trying to do his job and they're attacking him. And there's a million of those. The one before that was just a family uh, eating at a Mexican restaurant. The point is that even if every single thing that, that those self-proclaimed Marxists and communists are saying is correct, let's say it's all correct and just. Let's say America's an evil, patriarchal, capitalist, horrible, death-bringing, awful state. Let's say it's all true. With the best way to bring about change to attack innocent people, attack people trying to go out to dinner and do their jobs and everything else. Like what is it that you think these people are going to bring to society? Do you get it? And, and what's unfortunate here is you've got Nancy Pelosi, you've got Al Sharpton, you've now have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and, and virtually all of the Democrats. Where is a sane Democrat? Please show me one, I will gladly have them on the show. I will do it with no notes and no intentions other than giving them a platform to share their beliefs. Where are the decent liberals? They are all completely gone. These, the the inmates are running the asylum. When you watch these videos, it should be chilling to you. It should be chilling because we are starting to go from online mobs to real mobs. And I did a video that's about five years old uh, it was something about how online culture is becoming mainstream culture. You can probably, if you search Ruben reporter Dave Rubin, online culture is becoming mainstream culture. You can hear me doing a four minute, I wrote it out actually and read it off a prompter because I wanted to get it right, but just saying how all of the online stuff was going to leak out into reality and it's happening in front of our eyes. So that was just a tiny sampling of what's going on. And again, any of those instances, if even if, and they're obviously not just, right? Like they're obviously not just no matter what, but even if everything that those people believed was right and good, if, if we as a society say, okay, if you feel oppressed, if you feel that you've been wronged or whatever it might be, that you're allowed to take the law into your own hands, you're allowed to stop traffic and attack people and burn down restaurants and all that, well, society's gone. So like we're kind of getting to that precipice and we're gonna really have to think about that. Okay, so what I wanna do for this third segment now is actually just break down numbers. So if you got a pen and paper, maybe keep it by your side so you can make some notes on the timestamps here, and we're gonna clip a whole bunch of this stuff so you guys can get it out there. And you know, I have no doubt that the people at Media Matters are gonna call me racist for reading statistics. Alas, I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, So we're gonna start with a quote from the US Department of Justice. In the 75 largest US counties, about 60% of robbery and murder defendants are black, even though blacks comprise only 15% of the population in those counties. So that's just a little sort of general thought on crime. Now we can talk all about why is it that more black people proportionally are committing crime? That doesn't make you racist. And, And actually this is something that Larry Elder has talked about Uh, for a long time that Thomas Sowell was talking about for decades related to the family and the welfare system and all of these things. Like you guys, if you're watching this show, you've heard about all of these things. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't hear about these things. Uh, NewYorkCity.gov, in New York City, blacks make up 73% of all shooting victims, though they are 23% of the city's population. So that generally is pointing to black on black shootings. I don't think we're gonna have any numbers immediately from Chicago, Michael, maybe you can just pull up something from this weekend again, I think we did it the other day, Um, but in Chicago every week there are dozens and dozens of black people shot and they are shot by other black people so you don't hear that. I would prefer that nobody be shot and I don't care actually if it's black people shooting white people or white people shooting black people or whatever it might be, but if these people that purport to care about all of these shootings and care about dead children and all of these things, you'd think they would be talking about that. The only person on mainstream media who actually usually covers this stuff is Sean Hannity, and you're not gonna believe it, they call him a racist. 34 people were shot in Chicago last weekend. Uh, Three of them are dead, that's according to ABC. Strange, we didn't get any of their names. Uh, Now this is uh, from Statista, and this uh, this is super interesting. In 2019, the police killed 235 blacks, most of them armed, or dangerous out of 1,004 police shooting victims overall. That 25% ratio is actually less than what the black crime rate would predict since police shootings are a function of the rate at which officers encounter violent suspects. So did you catch that there? So because there are more violent suspects who are black, you would actually think those numbers would be higher, but they're not as high. Again, none of these, numbers or statistics give me any pleasure, but do you think that these things slightly go against the narrative that cops are just out there shooting people and specifically shooting people over race? Uh, We've got more from the Washington Post, uh, and this is what I read earlier, but I think this this is like the key one This is the key one. And when you read this to somebody, let them explain to you how the Washington Post is lying here and how that we have an epidemic, which is what they're telling us, or a genocide, which is what they're telling us. The Washington Post database of fatal police shootings in 2019 cites nine unarmed black victims and 19 unarmed white victims of fatal police shootings. So that means in 2019, nine black people who were unarmed were killed by police, 19 white people. Forget the race part of that, the idea that, that those numbers, which are so low, and yes, would we all want them to be zero, we would, but life is messy, life is messy, okay? And bad things happen, and there are bad people out there and everything else. But those numbers are extraordinarily low, actually. And in this case, more white people were shot, so that should make these guys happy. Uh, We've got something from the USA Today, I think that's also somewhat reputable, at least for now. Of the roughly 7,300 black homicide victims a year, the number of unarmed black people shot by police would uh, constitute 0.2% of the cases. So there are about 7,000 black people shot and killed every year. By and large, that has nothing to do with policing, right? It has to do with more of what's going on in Chicago that I referenced earlier. Uh, And we've got another quote from Statista. Officers make around 10 million arrests a year and are attacked by deadly weapons at a rate of 27 per day. In a year, only around 1,000 civilian deaths occur at the hands of officers, the vast majority occurring in the face of potentially deadly attack. So we know this, right? Like this is generally where police officers try to do the right thing and try not to shoot on people. And we've all seen so many videos of people breaking away from arrest, attacking police officers and everything else. Um, So I just think these are important numbers to know. And and here's the funny thing. If you wanted to, the funny thing, I guess it's the sad thing or it's just the reality thing. Um, If you wanted to solve any of these problems, if any of those numbers there disturb you, if you think any of that is unjust or that there's things that we could do, well then you would actually, if you really cared, if you really cared, not if you were just here to burn down the system and not if you were just here to violently overthrow the evil American project. If you really wanna do that, then, then Joe Biden, how about you read those statistics? Because you know, Joe Biden, it's funny, you've been in, in public life for 47 years. You were vice president to America's first black president. We're such a racist country. We had a two-term black president who was the hero of heroes, right? Why didn't you do anything about it? Why didn't you do anything about it? And even Obama issued a really awful statement yesterday. And it's like, I guess you didn't fix racism, man, or why weren't you talking about all of this stuff? I mean, that's, that's that's just the depressing reality. It's like these people are using this as a way of either ending the American experiment or just trying to get one party democratic rule over over everything. But you know what, let's go into uh, some stats related to defunding the police, right? Because that is what sits beneath this. We're hearing from all of the social justice warriors, we're hearing from the Black Lives Matter officials, we're hearing from the Democrats that we have to defund the police. Policing is racism, is racist, we've gotta get rid of it. Uh, so we've got a whole bunch of stuff here on, on defunding the police. Uh, in Minneapolis, uh, in December, the Minneapolis City Council unanimously approved a budget that shifted approximately $8 million from the police department towards violent, pr- violence prevention and other programs. Between December 11, 2020, and March 28th of this year, murders in the city rose 46%. Okay, so they took money away from policing, right? They defunded the police and then they got almost a 50% rise in murder. I apologize for reading you statistics. In Portland, another bastion of progressive utopia, city commissioners voted in mid-June to cut nearly 16 million from the police budget in response to concerns about the use of force and racial injustice. Police statistics from Joel High 2020, right after that, when the city's budgets cuts were made. And this past February, the most recent data available show homicides skyrocketed 270% compared to the same time last year. We defund the police, cut their budget by $16 million and homicides rise by 270%. New York City, uh, a once great city that I called home that I think is probably the greatest city in in modern times that is now just an absolute, awful dystopia, the New York City Council voted in July to move one billion away, one billion away from the New York Police Department's budget and instead move the money to educational and social services in in 2021. Murders in New York City are up basically 12% year to date as of March 21st, with 76 reported this year compared to 68 from 2020, according to New York Police Department Crime Statistics. The number of shootings rose 40% in 2021, with 220 reported as of March 21, compared to the 157 recorded during the same time last year. Come back to me for just a sec here before we get into Los Angeles. I was in New York City and I lived in New York City from a little bit before 9-11. I was there for 9-11 right out of college. And I lived in New York City until I moved to Los Angeles in 2013. I truly mean this. I never once, in about 13, 14 years almost, of living in New York City ever felt unsafe, no matter what time it was, where I was wandering around, never once felt unsafe. I was back in New York City about two weeks ago for the Greg Gutfeld show. I was in Midtown at at Fox News Studios, and it felt unsafe. It felt, first off, there were so many barricades everywhere, you know, police, And I don't have a problem with the police in that regard, obviously, but like just that there were police everywhere. It gives you this feeling that kind of something's not right, that there were no business people in Midtown, right? It's just a lot of people with hats and masks wandering around and everyone kind of looks shady. It did not feel safe to me. That was a very weird thing to come back to. And let's talk about Los Angeles, the city I'm in right now. City leaders voted in July to cut the police department budget by 150 million reducing the number of officers to a level not seen in more than a decade. The LAPD reported a 38% increase in murders in 2020 despite the coronavirus mandates that kept residents indoors and for 2021, which we're only a couple months into, murders are up 28% as of March 13th with 77 killings reported this year to date compared to the 60 reported during the same time in 2020, statistics show. The number of shooting victims nearly doubled from 157 reported through March 13th, 2020, compared to this year's 303. And then let's do one in Texas, because a lot of, LA people are moving to Texas and they go to Austin because that's the most progressive of all, all cities, even though I'm hearing all sorts of bad things related to homelessness and everything else in Austin right now. In August, in August, Austin City Council unanimously voted to cut roughly one third of the city's 434 million police budget slashing just over $150 million. The funds were designated to be redirected to social services in the 2021 fiscal budget, which started October 1st, 2020. Aggravated assaults report, aggravated assault reports were up 26% from 415 reported year to date in 2020 compared to 524 so far this year. Okay, so that is a smattering of evidence using statistics and data of the cities that have cut policing, defunded the police, did what these activists want to do. And then what do you get in every single case? You get more crime, you get more murder, you get more general mayhem. And now think about this. Imagine if you were a police officer or you were a police officer in training right now, knowing that there is basically this giant mainstream movement to demonize you at every turn, or that if you do what you are trained to do, or that you get into a messy situation, or whatever it might be, that you are going to basically be attacked and destroyed. There are gonna be a whole slew, and we know this is already happening, that tons of good people are self-selecting out of police work because they don't, it's not that they don't feel it's safe, they don't feel that their own people will protect them, they feel like they will be hampered. I've talked about this with plenty of police officers uh, over the last year, when I've been to some of these rallies and things. Uh, not only that, but we know that tons of police officers are, are taking early retirement, because they're like, I just don't wanna deal with the headache anymore, right? So we have such a series of cascading problems, and you know, I'm gonna end with a, a quote from MLK, because I'm gonna you know I'll try to give you a little something at the end to, um, to, to take away, to not feel the sort of just like craziness of the immediate moment and, and also to feel some sense of hope, of course, and I do feel hopeful, but I, I posted something on Locals this morning that you know one of the problems right now is that there's a certain set of people who believe that all the answers are political. So the people that are trying to destroy all of this stuff and, and actually virtually all of the Democrats who only have political answers to social problems, political answers to philosophic problems and existential problems, their answers are always, oh, the government can fix that problem for you, the government can fix depression, the government can fix crime, the government can fix that and this and the other thing, the government can make sure that nobody's racist, like these things that the government cannot do. Well, if we have a certain set of people that believe that, then what do the rest of us do, right? And I've talked about this before, because what, what is it if you've got a certain set of people that, that want government power for everything and a certain set of people that are like, no, we just don't want the government involved in our lives and we wanna have some autonomy and some self-reliance and that sort of thing. What do we do? Because they're gonna constantly be encroaching on us. And I think for now, the thing that you can do is focus on local communities, focus on your life, focus on your family. I think it's the only thing we can do for now I don't know that there's a macro answer right now. Focus on building new technologies and new companies and not being so reliant on all of this stuff. And, and hopefully, you know, if you do pay a little attention to the news, uh, sharing some things with people to help wake them up, because that, that's our chance right now, the, cha- the, the chance doesn't come through politics. Like the answer to what's going on doesn't come through politics right now because what would turn this around in in a political sense, right? Like there was a chance actually. I mean, this is an odd reality. There was a chance and that chance would have been a Donald Trump second term to really break these things. That chance is now gone, okay? It's it's not coming back. We're not, we don't have a time machine. Ain't got a flux capacitor or 1.21 gigawatts. So there is no sort of political force that can that can fight this right now, but it can be done at a smaller level. Ron DeSantis doing a fine job in Florida, right? Fighting it. So that's where we have to kind of focus. And, and again, focus on you. This is very much what my next book is about, which I think you're gonna dig and we'll we'll uh, have some announcements on that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I will end with a quote and I, I hope you feel that uh, for all the craziness right now that you got a little something sane uh, for today. And this quote is from... MLK, I thought that would be appropriate from Martin Luther King Jr. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. All right, it's a little lofty, it's a little Pollyannish, but I think that's what our chance is. Our our chance is you guys. That really is the truth. Uh, Part two of my interview with Chef Andrew Gruel, who became one of the true fighters for freedom in California in the midst of all of these lockdowns Uh, is up right now on YouTube. And of course, the full episode is up ad-free at rubinreport.locals.com. Have a great day, everybody. Stay sane, get offline when you need to, eat some good food, hug someone you love. That's it. See you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.